Broadcasting live from inside the power band, this is the Blah Podcast. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm Kevin, your host. With me, as always, my two faithful companions, Chad and Ben. Lads, say hello to the folks at home. What's up, guys? Hey, what's up, in the web? This week, we are going to be talking about a uh, really cool science fiction film. It started out as a short and then was made into a feature-length film, and it is called Prospect. And for anybody out there who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend, and I'm sure my uh, companions here highly recommend that you go and see it. Uh, it's really cool and really interesting and really different. And uh, let's start off with Ben. How did you find this film? I'm curious about that. I know Chad is too. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think probably, um, I don't know, I probably fell into like a uh, watching trailers hole on YouTube or something, <laughs> like a, a ways back. And uh, that was one of the ones I saw. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then uh, within the past month, it, it became available to uh, to rent or, you know, or buy. Uh, so I, I finally saw it and uh, I had no idea what to expect. And I got to say, I was really floored. Yeah, same. It, it was remarkable what they were able to do with with the resources they had man i yeah i definitely agree with that especially after watching some of the the behind the scenes of how this this film came to fruition i was really uh impressed at how they just dove right in you know they bought an old warehouse <laughs> and then they turned it into a fabrication shop and then when they were done fabricating everything they're like okay it's a soundstage now and then they were like let's make the movie hmm, totally yeah it's incredible yeah that behind the scenes stuff's great i'll um i'll chuck it up in the show notes for people to check out Absolutely, man. Sorry, I interrupted you, Benny. No, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, was, I, I had no idea that any of that stuff was out there, actually, Chad. So it was really cool that you uh, were able to share that stuff with us. Um, all the all those little extras, you know, like but the whole thing on the helmets was was awesome for me because that was yeah, that was just one of the things about the movie that was so great it was like just you know like you're you're clearly in this uh, in this universe where there are just all these different people manufacturing like these suits or whatever and these helmets. And everybody has like this just kind of hodgepodge, like different, you know, setups and different things like, but they're all like sort of like compatible and, you know, so they're like all the helmet designs were all the costume designs in general were, were quite amazing in my opinion. And uh, it was cool to see something focusing on that. But um, what I had first found was that uh, like the Oralac prospecting manual. Oh, yeah, yeah. You sent that through. That was cool. Which uh, We'll share that too. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of like this really cool companion like manual that sort of just dives into you know not not doesn't really dive deep but like sort of kind of gives you a little more of a peek into the lore of the film but like also sort of maintains like the just you know like it doesn't give you too much detail it's it's like keeps some somewhat of a mystery going really cool really cool stuff yeah definitely Kev would you be able to do a quick uh, synopsis of the film just because we haven't really touched upon what actually it's about yet. Yeah, sure. I I think um and I and I'm I'm probably going to need some help because I didn't have the uh, luxury of watching it more than one time and I was pressed for time this week. I didn't get to watch all of the behind the scenes that I wanted to. Um the film is about a man and his daughter as the title suggests going to prospect on a alien world, another world. But they're prospecting these gems and they come across to... I don't, I'm still not really clear what they were, if they were other prospectors or what. And the father ends up dying and then one of the other prospectors ends up dying. 
and um, the girl is sort of stuck with this guy who she's not sure if she can trust, not sure if he's going to take her or kill her or whatever. And it's about them sort of finishing the task that the daughter and the father set out to do, which was find this really... Surviving, yeah. Really, well, surviving, yeah, but to find this really large um, score of these these gems. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like a heist-ish, western, gold-rushy kind of movie. But in space. Yeah, one thing that resonated with me was that, was was the whole idea of of prospecting had that very, like, uh, you know, the, the frontier of the U.S. back in the 1800s feel to it. You know, it, it was, there were so many similarities there, and I, I really liked that part of it. There were definitely things I didn't like about this movie, but um, there was a lot of things I did like, and that was one of them for sure, was the whole prospecting feel was very... Um, it had that very like homegrown grittiness to it that I dug. Yeah, totally. The um, the directors, I saw like a little interview with them and they were calling it a frontier sci-fi survival film. And I thought that was like a perfect forward description. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of going on about the Western vibe and I get that, but I thought they did a good job of not putting it too, too in your face, you know, um, you know, some other stuff like, uh, like maybe like Firefly or something, you know, really, you know, kind of has that like sci-fi Western feel, but I think that's a little more in your face where it's prospect. It's just kind of like more coincidental, I guess, you know, it's like a layer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a, it's a it's sort of a gentle layer in it, I think, which I thought was cool. I saw some people complaining about that, like getting all pissy about the language and how it was, they were like, oh, it's not even a sci-fi movie, it's just a Western and if, you know, whatever. But I, it's, I appreciated that, that about it. I appreciated that it wasn't like in your face, laser beams and stupid shit. Yeah, I could see what they're saying about the language, but, you know, in practice, like they, they probably aren't supposed to use these, you know, they're speaking English for our benefit, so we, you know. <laughs> So we can understand the movie, but one would guess that, you know, we're in the far flung future and that they're, you know, I mean, it's clear that the written language is something different. So whatever they're speaking probably is not English. Yeah. Fair enough. But I will say that um, I really liked, um, God, I cannot remember the character's name. The guy that she ends up with for, you know, most of the film after her dad dies. What was that guy's name? That character's name? Her dad was, her dad was Damon and uh, Ezra. Ezra was the guy that she ends up with. One thing that I really liked was was Ezra's, you know, speaking to the like the the Western and the frontier idea, that idea of prospecting um, that you were just talking about, Ben, was that Ezra, he really spoke like somebody from the 1800s. I'm a huge fan of Westerns and his language, like the way they wrote his language was very like uh, somebody living in the 1800s, like a prospector living in the 1800s. You know, I, I thought that was cool. I really like that. I love the language stuff. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, no, I love his little, his little, you know, sort of monologues that he's like just thrown off while they're walking through the woods. And that Pedro Pascal was, was really awesome. I thought. I, I wrote one of those things yeah. down where he was just like, "I myself have indulged, but I'm afraid for both our sakes, I must repost." It's like, all right, dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like True Grit yeah. kind of reminded me of True Grit a bit. That's what I'm saying. Exactly right. I really, really, really liked it. It's like he talks like that, but I didn't really notice that anybody else in the film spoke like that, you know? She had like a hint of it a little bit, you know? It's a good offer or whatever, you know? Like she was. A, a little bit, but, but not so much. Her father, a little bit, but not, not quite. It wasn't quite as 
thick, I guess, you know, and it didn't seem like the mercenaries quite were, you know, so it was almost like, a, like a, like as if it was like a, a dialect of like where, wherever Ezra was from originally, you know, or, or perhaps just like a, you know, something, something about him being stuck on that moon for so long. Uh, we don't, I guess we don't know that, but I, I would, I would assume that he was kind of stuck on the moon for a while. He seemed like he was, he was a little bedraggled man in that his mind was a little shredded in that way. But I, I think um, I want to say that like the the main mercenary, the main merc was he sounded like Michael Clark Duncan, R.I.P. From what I, I don't remember what he played. Michael Clark Duncan was in everything. He was massive, giant of a man. He was in the Green Mile. That was probably one of the things he was best known for. But like I just watched the Night at Night at the Roxbury the other night because I love that movie, and he was in that. He played the bouncer. <laughs> he played. He was in everything. He had a lot of roles in a lot of movies. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I thought you meant like a specific kind of westerny thing, but yeah, I, I feel you. No, no, I don't ever think he actually did a western, but he was in Sin City originally. He was in the original Sin City. Yep, yep. Um, I, you know what? I this is totally unrelated, but I, I got to say this. I when I record this, I'm I'm sitting upstairs in my bedroom, and we have a picture window in our bedroom that looks out onto our back lawn, and at the edge of the back lawn is the woods, and there is a pair of eyes. I'm getting some eye shine off a creature right at the edge of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of freaking me out, man. And I can see both of the eyes. It's the crazy girl from the end of the movie with the music. And they're moving <laughs> right exactly. Well, I was going to say it's probably a Sasquatch, but it's not high enough up, uh, standing high enough up to be a Sasquatch. So it's got to be something else. It's probably a cat, man. <laughs> I love how Ben just went, mm, yeah. Yes, like, yes, totally. Totally. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. matter of fact, of course. Yeah, it's, it's a cat, dude. No, I don't think that's a cat, man. I feel like it's looking it's right at me, though, and it's kind of bugging me out. We're getting our time. Yeah. What, uh, what do y'all rate this movie? Exactly. Uh, Ben, go ahead. You go first. I really liked it, man. Um, you know, I'm definitely into sci-fi. Um, and I like the, I like the, the sort of indie movies that are just, you know, pretty surprising and I haven't seen anything that good since like, uh, you know, I, I really loved Sunshine. I was just going to um, say that. Or maybe. Exactly. Maybe even Pandorum. I really like Pandorum as well. But um, Pandorum. Wow. I've never known another Pandorum fan. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to go with like a definite strong nine. Wow. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, there's this is a lot of great stuff about it. Um, I, I like the the world building and the little little details and the you know the the sort of like unspoken war behind all the stuff um, behind the tech and the just the different you know things in the movie. The little little details I, I think is is amazing. Um, I, I really like that world they built. Agreed. Lots of good lore, buddy. Yeah, for sure. I could totally see how you'd end up there with it. Despite the fact that it's like a low budget practical effect, you know, sci fi movie where they basically went into the, you know, northwestern rainforest and, you know, carted along some cameras and some people in spacesuits uh, and sort of overdubbed some dust effects or whatever, <laughs> you know, they, 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 I think they did a great job with their world. But it, it makes it, you know, I mean, that, that's sort of what, like, when I first saw a trailer for it, I was like, oh, this looks, looks like shit, you know? Like, I don't know. It didn't seem like anything that, that great to me. I'm like, why are they wearing spacesuits? They're in like a, you know, clearly on like a, a planet where plants are growing. So you would assume there's oxygen or, you know, like, whatever. Just, it didn't seem like, you know, it just seems like it might be shit to me. But, um, but uh, upon finally viewing it, I, I was really taken with it. I liked it. I took a shine to it. I think the fact that they did such a great job with such a low budget, it's almost like a, it's almost bonus points for me as opposed to taking away from it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think they needed anything else. You know, I didn't think they needed any any more uh, crazy CGI. You know, I'm not, I'm not even an anti CGI person by any by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, what they were able to accomplish with just practical effects was was really something for sure. Right, right. I agree with everything that you said, and my opinion of the film is changing in real time as we're speaking. I really liked everything about it. Ben keeps mentioning lore, and I'm a huge fan of lore, and we here on the podcast are huge fans in general of lore. You know, when I watch something and immediately I'm like, well, wait, what are they talking about? Like, well, what about that? What about that thing that he just mentioned? Like, well, what is that? You know, and... And, and what does that mean? You know, like if I, if I'm if I'm immediately wanting to know more about the references they're making, like I I like that. That's a good thing to me. Um, I think, like Ben said, this had this reminded me of Sunshine in its differentness. Sunshine definitely had a larger budget, but it, it had that same kind of feel to it in terms of being something different in a science fiction film which i really liked you know yeah. it also it's also reminiscent of if, what i don't know if it reminded me but i guess it was probably the last time i was just surprised by a sort of you know like a sci-fi film just sort of popping up out of the blue and you know i don't know how i don't know how indie sunshine was for instance and i think pandorum was pretty indie but uh you know what i mean like uh, just just uh something that was that just kind of popped up that i wasn't expecting that it turned out to be something really special no that's that's what i mean by that like that's how I felt about it. Like it, it had nothing to do. It wasn't like sunshine at all. It, it uh, it's, except in like its sort of spirit. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. So it had that same spirit. I'm. It, also, um, it was it was reminiscent of Moon. Totally with Sam Rockwell. I don't know if you've seen that, but like that's a really great indie sci-fi film. I mean, I was gonna mention that later. Mind blower. David Bowie's kid. Yeah, exactly, man. So, you know, Moon was really good. It had the, anything with Sam Rockwell. Yeah, anything with Sam Rockwell is great, I know, right? But um, so that's what I really, I really dug the lore. Um, I like the whole idea of, you know, making it very much like a Western, you know, prospecting. Like, that was very cool. We talked, I talked about that before. Um, I liked how it had that gritty, dirty, low-tech feel to it, you know? Mm. And and I dug what you said too, Ben, before about how, like, I think it was Ben that said, like, you know, the, the suits were all different. Like, everybody's sort of like requisitioning their own gear but it's it's all universal it all works with everybody else's gear you know what i mean it's just that there's right yeah, you, get, you get the impression it's like whatever they were whatever they could find at the store they fucking shopped at or whatever you know like like whatever general store they happened upon before they got on the ship or whatever it's <laughs> yeah like, exactly you know, like, just imagine them all walking around home depot in their suits like do you have any fittings yeah do you have any of those filters that we like <laughs> yeah right yeah so <laughs> uh, well, I got this filter, but I need a, it, uh, my suit doesn't have that fitting. Do you have like an adapter? Right, you know, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. I need an adapter for a P1 suit, you know? And, so, and a side of juice. And a side of juice. Don't forget the juice. And <laughs> juice, some hydrochloric yeah. acid or whatever it was that they kept burning everything with. Um, but uh, I And I dug the whole thing with the gems. Like, that was really cool. And the whole, the whole idea of like you know, really putting everything out there for like a large score that's going to change your life. Like, you know, kind of risking it all. I mean, that, that trope has certainly been used before. Um, and not to say that it's tired or hackneyed at all. I, I thought it was cool. Um, that said, I think that the story in terms of like, you know, I like the elements where she ends up t- 
teaming up with the person that killed her father. And there's a very big debate there as well. It's not just like, oh, you killed my dad. You're a jerk, but we got to survive. So let's do it like a Wonder Twins activate team up kind of thing. <laughs> he, he, he had a very like, you know, he made a strong case of like, you know, he was going to steal my hard work. So that's why he got killed. And I don't know why he was defending that because my recollection was he didn't even kill him. It was his partner that killed him with that large gun. Um, so he finished him off. Yeah, but he finished yeah. him off. Okay, so he finished him off. So there you go. Um, but whatever. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. I mean, it was it was it was a necessity, really. I mean, what choice did either of them have? But uh, you know, that's it. Even even uh, Ezra's like. When she says, you killed my father, he's like, well, technically that's true. <laughs> like, okay. Right, <laughs> right, right. And he, and he, Pedro Pascal, uh, he was, he really was like, walked the line, man. He was, he was able to pull off like creepy weirdo that you really just weren't sure of in a great way. And you couldn't tell if he was on the level or not. And I really dug that about him. Um, the second I saw Jay Duplass, uh, I had no idea it was Jay Duplass, who I'm assuming is Mark Duplass's brother, because yeah, I think he is. the second I saw him, I kept saying, wow, this guy looks like Mark Duplass. I wonder if that's Mark Duplass. And uh, now I know the answer to the question. Um, he was great, too. I, I didn't like, I don't know, this is kind of hard to say, like, I liked and didn't like the setting. Like, you know, adding in, like, the weird sort of dust was you know, cool, but I don't know. Like I, I thought the setting was cool and like, I know that it's an indie film with a super low budge and I know they were working with what they had and I get it and they, they couldn't add CGI in and that's fine, man. Films don't have to be CGI to be great. Um, and CGI is great. I'm not, not, uh, I don't rail against CGI as long as it's lending to the story and not trying to be the centerpiece as it was when that, that became a thing like 10 years ago. I think that uh, there were times where the setting just, it wasn't doing it for me. I was like, this isn't alien enough. It's too much like what we have here, but yet the atmosphere is not breathable. Like, I don't know. It, it, it just wasn't working for me all the time. And so I'm just being honest in saying that. That was, that was really my, that was my only real gripe with the movie. You know, beyond that, I, I thought it was great. You know, if you can accomplish that on that kind of budget, you know, you deserve everything coming to you. So, I don't know. That's my tirade. What's your rating? Ooh, my rating. Wow. That's tough. Uh, I was really impressed by Ben's very bold nine out of 10. I'm going to give it a same as I did last week. I'm going to give it a seven, five out of 10 um, because of the things that I said, but like they were still able to really just rock it out on such a low budget, you know, and it's a solid film. Let me change that. I'm going to say eight out of 10. Final answer. Eight out of 10. Final answer. Cool. Good man. Final answer. <laughs> well, it'll come as absolutely no surprise to you that I nerded out hard on my rating. Oh boy. Here oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's just a, a couple of quick things. Um, have you guys ever seen or heard of Barstool Pizza Reviews on YouTube? No, no, Chad. <laughs> have you? No, no, Chad. All right, so there's this dude who's like, if a, a New Englander, well, like, if, if I was slightly more of an asshole, which is hard to believe, and really into sports <laughs> and reviewed pizza on YouTube, it would be this guy. And he, like... Wow. Hangs out on Nantucket from time to time and like is a huge Red Sox fan and re- just goes around New York every day reviewing pizza. He just like takes takes a bite of pizza. He works for like Barstool Sports, which is like a 
indie ESPN style thing. I'm not much of a sports head, but anyways, he rates pizza and his rating system is like zero to 10 with decimal points. And if you like give something a, a, you know, a round number, like a five, it's a rookie score. But if you give him like a 5.2 or whatever, it's, it's better. And so like the score system is kind of, kind of like a, I think of it as like an earthquake scale where like a four on the Richter scale is whatever and a five on the Richter scale is like a hundred times stronger than a four and a six is a hundred times stronger than a five you know so like it gives a lot of room for there to be ratings and so his pizza rating stuff is like there's no such thing as a 10 it's like impossible because if you give something a 10 and then you eat a better pizza later like what are you going to give it and so like I've kind of applied that thinking to kind of the movie rating stuff and last last week I was talking about how I tend to rate all movies on one scale instead of having separate kind of thinking for like yes. comic book movies, etc. Yeah. You did. So yep. with that in mind, that. I also was able to use this <laughs> this thing I did a few years ago. There's a, a site called Flickchart and you can have you ever heard of that one? No, I have not. All right. I told you I, was, I nerded out pretty hard. So the It's okay, Chad. <laughs> we expected as much. <laughs> Get to the fucking point, man. <laughs> there's a there's a site called What is your rating? <laughs> there's a site a site called Flickchart and and you sign up for it and it just throws two movies at you on the screen and you click which one you like better and then it builds a like list of of your rankings of movies. And so like 5 years ago I sat down and and did this over the course of a couple of days, just because I found it interesting, it ended up with this giant list of movies and kind of a rough ranking for them or whatever. So I was able to like look at both of those things and see where the movie kind of fell into other sci-fi movies that I liked. And I ended up, I ended up with a 7.0 on the, uh, the rating. But what it, what it told me was that like a seven is like a great movie an eight is like an exceptional movie. And a nine is just like a legendary movie. So you know, I gave Prospect a seven. I really, really, really liked the film. And it, it actually makes, like, in terms of the way that I rank these other movies, it's better than all of the Star Wars movies except for the original trilogy. It's better than all of MCU except for Iron Man. It's, you know, it's just under the original Alien movie. So, like, it's it, if you think about it in that in that way, it's, it's actually quite high up. But um, I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, a legendary movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> That was fascinating. Dude. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot stop laughing and loving you at the same time. Like that was the best. And in the words of the comic book man from The Simpsons, best intro to a rating ever. I, I liked how everything about your rating had everything to do with anything but the movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Well, you guys said everything there was to say about the movie. Like, I think for me, the strongest point, the strongest piece of the film is that for four million bucks, they made like an exceptionally good that. film and they made a, agreed an exceptionally good sci-fi film. It's not a traditional sci-fi film in the sense of like laser no, beams it's not. and, yeah. you know, swooping <clears throat> around with ropes and shit. But and, and pew pew. It was a yeah. damn good movie, for no especially pew pew. for the money. Definitely, dude. I... um. I agree. <laughs> I can't, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, I agree with Ben. Like, that was like the most intense intro <laughs> ramp up to the rating that really had nothing to do with what the rating of the film was. That was great, dude. Every, everything about your, your explanation of your rating had nothing to do with the film. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but at the same time, Chad, I, I completely admire everything that you just said about how you got to that because that's so incredibly thorough, man. You can talk shit. I, I dig it. And it fair. Matter. And fair. No, I'm not yeah, talking I, shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was, it, it was uh, awesome, man. What can I say? My my rating system has to do with something with like coming from, you know, my, my nutsack or something and, uh, you know. There you go. Being the barometric pressure. General, hy- general hyperbole and, you know, my excitement about something at a given moment. And it's, it's given to, you know, change subjected to more scrutiny. But I have actually given the movie quite a bit. Of it's more visceral. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of things I like about it. And uh, nine for me. And you know what? A solid nine, a non nine point something or eight point something, you know, like that's fine. Yeah. Nine is where I start to have my cutoff. <laughs> the legendary yeah, stuff yeah. for me would come at the, the higher, you know, like nine point five, nine point yeah, six, yeah. nine point seven, nine point for me, I guess that's what what I would think, you know, is, is you're getting up with the legendary status. Yeah, totally. Definitely. No, like I, I, um, I had an Excel spreadsheet on this one, so I'm completely aware of how ridiculous. Oh it is. my god! <laughs> I'm not. Ash- <clears throat> I'm not ashamed. I, I know you're not. That's part of that makes it even more cool, dude. The, I um, wonder what Franken Truck thinks. Yeah, Franken Truck. The um, Franken Truck. As I mentioned a second ago, the the indie and low budget nature of the film was, I think, like one of the biggest strengths. And the one of the biggest or key elements of this that I really want to talk about is that it it wasn't a blockbuster, and I'm super stoked that it wasn't. Like I just I find that I'm enjoying non traditional sci fi stuff way more than the blockbuster stuff. I'm with you on that, yeah, yeah. And like the technology is getting cheaper and cheaper to like make movies and render effects and stuff. And so like creators that couldn't do things in the past are being able to do them now because it's cheaper to make the stuff. And I was just kind of like looking into trying to figure out what I thought like an indie film was. And I was looking at some of the other movies that I thought were, you know, somewhat indie and somewhat low budget. Like you mentioned moon and, um, ex machina is another one that I think was really good recently. And there was like another earth arrival district nine. And then you mentioned sunshine as well. So like, there's like a whole list of like these kind of out there lower ish budget indie films that I just so thoroughly enjoyed. And, looking at that list of five or six movies, I just think that all of them are better than, than like a Marvel movie or all of them. You know what I mean? Like I love Marvel movies. Don't get me wrong, but I just have so much more of a soft spot for movies that are willing to try something new or do something different. Definitely, man. Definitely. There's no question about it, man. I mean, I think I, I, I couldn't agree with what you just said more. Like those, those films are great films and I'm all about people jumping in and trying to do push the envelope, do something different. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, we've, we've sort of entered this age where these, these large studios, you know, like Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars now. And it's like these large studios are just looking for the next mega franchise. It's not about making, I hate to, I hate to sound, yeah, I, mean, I hate to say. They're taking that stuff and they're turning it into a money machine. I mean. Well, exactly. You know, I, ben, I love exactly. the Marvel movies and of course I love the Star Wars universe, but. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to encounter a lot of fatigue when it comes to that stuff. Like, I'm just not, you know, there's there's no, I'm not going to be fucking surprised by whatever happens in episode nine, even though I've just seen the trailer and found out that it's called Rise of fucking Skywalker. What? Like, what? yeah. How the fuck does that work? Oh, God. I, how the fuck Dude, does that? <laughs> how the hell does that work? You well, know, it's like, totally, firstly, it's totally antithetical to what we were talking about about in the Star Wars episode a few weeks back. 
is that the Star the Skywalker saga needs to die. <laughs> There's nine goddamn movies about Skywalker. He doesn't need to rise. No, he doesn't need to rise. Yeah, we're like death to, death to Skywalker. <laughs> so, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But you know, like to, to be fair, I have a, there's a lot of fatigue going on with that whole with all that stuff right now. So when something great uh, and surprising and you know something that feels fresh and something that just has you know that kind of war that, that you know like I'm curious about all those little artifacts from that that universe of, from Prospect, you know, like all the stuff, the, the suits and the throwers and the you know like the pods and you know the people and and the, the root pearls, you know the, the the gems as you call them that there were you know like all that stuff is cool, you know like the the whole process of them like digging up those root pearls and like you know the, the different chemical compounds they have to use to like refine it and you know make it happen and the, the delicate process and if you cut the thing the wrong way it dissolves the whole thing or, you know like all of that is is well he was saying he was saying that if you pop that blister it's like it's like um um it's like the um it's like a uh what is it like a cryptex box like like they they talked about in D- the da vinci code how like if you if you try to break into it it will um break a vial of vinegar and then the message inside will be dissolved and lost forever like that was the same idea it was it had that blister on the side of it and if you pop right. the blister whatever material was in the blister would seep into it and it would completely ruin the gem right yeah or the pearl or whatever you want to call it yeah it's a root pearl that's yeah yeah, root pearl. Okay, there you go. Very cool. It's definitely way more interesting than like panning for gold or something. It added a really interesting element to it. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. It's really it's it's neat. It's it's a cool process that they came up with there. Absolutely. I, and I would love to know like you know, Benny talking about lore, like how did they figure out that process of those chemicals to get that gem because it's like you know, they pull one out, they cut the thing, then they have to cut the the white outer skin, and then they pull out this like what looks like a meatball, like a galumpy yep. man, or like a stuffed sausage. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like a galumpy. Yeah, they pull out the galumpy dude, and then yep. then they cut the galumpy open. And then there's like another ball of meat inside. It's like a, an Italian meatball. And then they cut the Italian meatball open and they make sure that they're not hitting the blister. It's like a turducken. Exactly like a turducken. And then once they open up the Italian <laughs> totally. meatball, if they've done it right, the gem is inside. And it's like along the way, they're like mixing and pouring these various chemicals on, you know, these root pearls to, to make all of this happen. So how do they come up with that? Like, how did they figure out how to do that? Like, that's the kind of lore that I want to know. That's, that's the kind of lore that I love. Like, the other the other thing that I really wanted to know is, like, how does this world work where these, like, these prospectors seem so utterly oppressed and they're, like, in debt. And, like, if they get this gem, it's going to, like, square them up with whoever they owe money to and get them, like, you know, a cottage in, like, the nice neighborhood. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's like no, nothing has changed in the in the deep future. You know, like, nothing has changed. People are still, like, if you got money, then you can make money. And if you don't have money, then you got to put yourself through all these. So the difference there being, I guess, is that you have a frontier that you can go to, to to try and strike it big, you know? But, yeah, I mean, there's there's just, uh, you know, like, the I really dug, like, the music that C was listening to on, on like, the personal music device, which was basically headphones that you plug those like little cylindrical things into and it's like it sounds like super futuristic but it's all this weird but the stuff she 
she's listening to, like I, I sent uh, just before the podcast, I sent you guys some links to, to some of that music. But yeah, I was listening to it. It's like all this stuff from this. It's like all this stuff from the seventies. Like some of it's from like Latvia, some of it's from Japan, some of it's from Cambodia. You listen to it in the movie, and you're like, oh yeah, it sounds like this crazy, like weird future music, you know? <laughs> yes, totally. Really, really well chosen. And like in the third act, the character's name is Numan. It's the female character, the female mercenary. She's like using that music, like she's like got it like cranked up super fucking loud so they can't hear like what they're talking about or whatever. And, and then like she's using it to try to confuse them in the middle of like the firefight. There's something really menacing and cool about that character and, and just about that whole third act, the mercenaries. And they, they accomplish a lot in that movie without explaining much, you know, like it's like there's just just enough information there for you to like be curious about it further than what's presented to you. And it's like, you know, there's depth beyond like what, what's just being presented. And the fact that they were able to do it all for so cheap is just amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the, 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 the conceptualizing of it and the, the writing of the whole thing, you know, um, just all that, all that stuff. It's like, you just, you feel like there's all these onion layers of, of like Easter egg shit to be dug up and found out about. You know, beyond whatever the story is and whatever happens in the movie, like you feel like there's something uh, out there to that. You know, there's some meat to it. You know, I saw a, I saw a, an interview with the directors where one of them was saying they spent months and months and months on the lore, and they like made a commercial for one of the one of the items that they were like eating or something, and they're like, yeah, I never made the cut of the film, but it's like one of my favorite things is we made this commercial for this like food product. And it's just the fact that they took the time to to build it all was just it showed through so much absolutely man and like that's what really makes great storytelling you know we've we've talked about storytelling a number of times like the writing you know in certain you know things that we've talked about and and you know the writing is really key man and and when you're if you're going to add that level of detail you know you're going to create a rich world that people are going to be interested in and they're going to want to know more about you know if you go to the trouble of making a commercial for a product that exists in that world like that's just layers of detail that that flesh that world out that flesh that microcosm out and make it great you know yeah I, I get off on stuff like that. That's uh, that's something I really enjoy about filmmaking. You know, definitely that those little things that enrich the world and make it feel like a place that's really lived in and that you could go to or, or that seems like likely or probable. Or, you know, like it's funny because you said in one way it's there's something about it that's funny because they're in like they're basically in a well-known rainforest area through the entire movie. <laughs> it's clearly a, you know like it's something you would see on Earth. It's not anything that unusual. But so like you have that that setting juxtaposed with like all these interesting little you know doodads they've they've sort of invented to, from this from this universe to, to like kind of MacGuffin that away you know <laughs> to kind of like, to, to like get you past that you know to get you beyond that to make you be like oh okay yeah right yeah like it's it's an alien moon and yeah there's all these trees and plants and stuff but like there's this crazy toxic shit in the air that like you know it's not even like they're alluding to the fact that you couldn't breathe the air it's more like you need these filters to filter out the stuff that's in the air that would be harmful you know so yeah okay (laughs) yeah yeah i i think um i just sort of remembered one thing that that was sort of redeeming about my my one little gripe there about the um just the setting like sometimes i just wasn't into it and sometimes i was was that they had that often they had that backdrop of that giant planet looming you know uh which definitely made it feel more you know, sort of immerse me more in that world. And that's really what I'm talking about when I, when I have that gripe about like 
the setting is that it it didn't it it took me out of that immersion that was that was really my my sort of gripe about that yeah it's it's totally fair enough um i i didn't find it took me out at all but uh to push back a little bit on what you said just not that you're wrong but just that my opinion differs a little bit is that like you're wrong uh, you're totally wrong my rating system says so the um <laughs> <laughs> the, the second is still hard. Chad Walsh's new, improved, infallible rating system. <laughs> I give it two decimal points above the original Alien. <laughs> yes, I've, I've, I've come up with a complex rating system to rate my films. I'm not sure this is accurate. Hang on, let me check my algorithm. The algorithm does not lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly when you were talking about um when you were talking about the setting and whatnot and how it was you know could have been on earth i immediately thought about the um the second in the recent star trek movies i think it was into darkness when it opens up on a world where there's like purple people and there's all kinds of dumb you know colorful shit here and there and it's like oh wow eye candy or like avatar you know they build an entire universe or whatever and then use like the stupidest font ever i find that the eye candy nature of some of these alien worlds can be interesting at times but i almost find it distracting sometimes and like the only alternative that prospects had would be a barren planet like mars or something which wouldn't work as well so i kind of see why they ended up or how they ended up in a semi-similar to earth forest style environment and for me i just i never found it pulled me out but i can totally see how it would no i agree with you chad i look dude when i'm when i say that i mean i'm being nitpicky and i get it it's like oh nitpicky is great we need to be nitpicky you know you know we can't just suck every movie's dick on this thing we need to talk right. about the crap <laughs> Wow, well said. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, what are your alternatives? You know, it's like the desert or like the tundra, you know what I mean? Some frozen wasteland, you know? Or it's some like, really weird, colorful avatar shit that costs millions and take and kind of is distracting. Right, exactly. But that, I didn't mention that because that's out of their wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, where, where they filmed it, at least it was like, it, it was an intense forest, you know, like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just like, I mean, it was really photogenic and beautiful. It's not like, you know, they fucking filmed some shit in Squam, Squam Swamp or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like just some, you know, pretty, pretty ordinary looking, you know, New England woods or something, you know, like. Yeah, it definitely had a Pacific Northwest feel to it. Like, I mean, they said that they set up the shop in Seattle, so clearly they were out in out in the woods with the Sasquatches. Yeah, yeah, you know, these ferns and moss and like these giant giant trees, and you know, I I could believe that you might encounter something like that. On the sure, absolutely, man. Who's to say that? Who's to say that it has to be purple? Or yeah, well, in the same way that when I was a kid, I didn't. Uh, I hadn't really spent any time in the redwoods and how much like the snow or the um the speeder bike sequence in Return of the Jedi with the giant trees was like holy crap it really looks like an alien planet but it was just some dude walking around the redwoods you know if you're not familiar with the setting it can feel alien yeah absolutely I'm with you on that yeah sure well on the on the production stuff man I think I was pretty blown away by the fact that this was the debut for the the directors their first feature film like they did a damn good job for their first film damn good 
Yeah, I kind of, I kind of hope they decide to do something. Um, I kind of hope they decide to do something else in that, that same world that they've built, but not, not the same thing. You know? Oh my like, god, yes, that would be sick. Yes, like with a larger budget and like on a different planet with different characters or, or something. You know, like I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, kind of like how like Alistair Reynolds, the sci-fi author, has a lot of different stuff in his Revelation Space Universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I read that. Ben gave me that book. I read that book. That was bizarre. Wow. Really cool stuff. <laughs> we got to get into some of that uh, in a future podcast. We should. Yeah. I know, should. I know a lot of the nerds out there that may or may not be listening. Uh, if they haven't discovered uh, Alistair Reynolds, they should. Uh, yeah, he's Not that one he, of everything my he writes is great. Some of it's pure shit, but the good stuff is really fucking good. Yeah. He's one of the best, I think, currently anyways. Yeah. Yeah, this good stuff is really good. The um the music that you shared, I I listened to before the show, um, but it really struck me while watching it. Um, the score and the music was just so fantastic, especially like the score for me really struck. Like the the stuff you said about like the you know old school seventies Cambodian and Turkish music, whatever was perfect as like a a device in the in the plot. Like it was it was great, but the score itself like um was really. It really reminded me of The Revenant, which is a really great film that I really enjoyed. Yes. That is, yes. Wow. Great reference. Yes. It also just happens to be like this weird movie that when I fly to the States for 30 hours, I'll like drug myself up on Tylenol PM and like put The Revenant on and just pass out and have like the weirdest dreams ever. So I just had like a real soft spot for that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, that's, that was yeah. a, where, where does that fall in your, uh, how does your ag- algorithm read that? Uh, let me look that up. I'm guessing it's like a, an 8.1. Uh, let me just uh, look that up. <laughs> He's calculating it now, Ben. Uh, that's great. But it, it really reminded me a lot of that movie. Yeah, good stuff. I like I like that comparison, though, Chad. I, I, the Revenant is a great film, and that was a cool comparison, especially where the music's concerned. It and there's, definitely there's, a lot they're of both similarities survival there. films, too, so they have a similar thread in that realm as well. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, the film score was great. Um, nothing to take away from it, but I was I was really taken with just the uh, the extra music that they put in there. Like you know the it's the the initial song when C puts her headphones on and you know she's listening to stuff, and then like you know the the stuff that Inuman puts on to like intimidate and and like you know, it's cool. Well, they you know they they had the right idea and they said it in the interview and in that that behind the scenes video that Chad's going to throw in the show notes um for anybody listening if you want to watch it um is that they were about creating a world and they were saying that like you know this is you know we we got this idea from the sci-fi films that we watched when we were younger and and the list they rattled off they all the films that we grew up on as well the three of us and you know they they were they put building a world as a large priority and i think it paid off in spades man you know like just like what we 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 keep saying that all three of us like you know the music she's listening to and all these little references and all these little things you know a lot of attention to detail man very very cool well the world just seemed lived in like they spent enough effort so that it actually seemed like a world that people lived in instead of a set on a stage or something you know it made you it made you want to know about it yeah for right? sure like it was just there was just enough given to you that you're like it makes you curious you know it's like what the hell is that what is it that's a what is, what is she doing why is she rolling is that a gun like you know like it's weird they show the thrower the first time and you know it's like it's like rolls it up and puts the clasp around it and you're like huh like, kind of looks like a musket or something but i guess oh shit you know and then you find out like oh yeah that is a gun you know like it's just like little weird details like that that just make you curious i think 
Yeah, absolutely. So they build the world and it's feels lived in and they've obviously spent the time and then the cast just sends it over the top. Like Sophie Thatcher as her debut was just she blew me away, man. She did such an amazing job. Yeah. yeah everybody was everybody was really great. Um bit parts and, and larger parts, you know. I mean really we're talking Sophie Thatcher and uh, Pedro Pascal probably had the most screen time in the movie. But you know, um JD Plus is great and uh, you know all the all the, the Mercs were awesome. It's a smaller part, you know, it's in the third part of the movie, like the, the mercenaries are great. And the purple dude or pink dude or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And who who's he? Like what's you know the um <laughs> I have no idea. He's just some rando. I was I was super delighted when um, I recognized Bubbles from The Wire and Slim Charles from The Wire. So Slim Charles is the the lead merc, and then Bubbles was like the religious dude who tries to buy C at some point. Like I just I love that. Oh shit! See, I didn't I did not know that. That's great. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that either. That was cool because The Wire is like one of, is essentially my all time favorite TV show, and just so great to see those those guys i've heard that from many people and i i've started to watch it and then i've not continued i need to, i need to watch that and get into it's it it's tough to get into like if you don't like the show after watching the entire first season then leave it but you kind of need an entire season to even get get rolling because it's such a, a slow a slow series yeah. I, I just need, i need the headspace to get into it that's it yeah but once you're into it man you just you just won't stop watching it like i i was i watched it back when netflix sent you dvds and like i upgraded my account so that it would send me like five dvds at a time because i was just cranking through it oh my god wow (laughs) yeah i imagine i'll do the same with it whenever i find time i I tend to just devour shows (laughs) yeah totally i'm about to start that umbrella academy one so i look forward to talking about that in the future I just finished that. Yeah, that was excellent. Absolutely yeah. excellent. Yeah, I was I was uh, kind of blindsided by that. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know zero about it, so I'm excited to uh, be surprised by where it goes and stuff. I gotta say, it's a, you know, maybe this is foreshadowing something we talk about in the future or not. But um, I, I was really uh, impressed by the, this year's sort of crop of shows that that have come along. Um, you know, the Umbrella Academy. I wasn't expecting that, but like just uh, things that I watched last year that I, I really enjoyed. Turned out to be great this time around. Um, you know, the, the newest season of The Preacher, the newest season of The Tick, the newest season of EOA, the newest season of uh, like everything. Everything that came up this year was was awesome. And I uh, start with Discovery or, you know, uh, the Orville I really liked. Like, I just, I, I devoured all of it and it was great. <laughs> I was really impressed. Yeah, I think the fact that, like, all of these people are spending so much money, like, Netflix is going to pass $15 billion spent this year on content like i think the fact that a lot of the money that was spent like two or three years ago is finally starting the stuff that they spent the money on is finally starting to come out i really feel like it's gonna it's a big wave coming of of content yeah it's overwhelming i mean absolutely they really they're really ramping it up for sure the um back on sophie thatcher one of the things that jumped out at me was last week we were talking about captain marvel i thought that this is another great example of like a super strong female lead and i think it's an example of a female lead done well like she, it isn't in your face, and she does a fantastic job of of driving the entire film. She does it with minimal dialogue, too, man. Really, really minimal. If it was like a, a young man cast in that role, I don't think. I mean, it would probably have been reasonably similar, but I don't think it would have had the same effect. Like the fact that that it was a, a female character, I think, added a lot. Especially, you know, in the beginning where Ezra's like, "You're going to go talk to these mercs. They've, they're bored, man. What do you think they're going to do?" Like insinuating some of the the danger that's different for for women versus men and not to say that it's you know 
not to say that it's the only reason, but I think it added another layer of like reasoning for her to, to, you know, accept the help. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of established her right off as, as being pretty independent. Totally. And sort of being her own person, even though she's young, you know, and, you know, I think, I think, uh, whatever vulnerability she does show in the movie more tends to be from being young and perhaps like, you know, naive of what's going on rather than being female, you know, which I think is, I think is good, you know? Yeah. No, well executed for sure. Yeah. I, I thought that like, you know, she's super reserved and quiet or distrustful. And then as the time goes on, she opens up a bit and that scene where she's, talking about that book that she loves and she just like really opens up and stuff. I thought that was such a great scene. Like the fact that she's finally starting to trust people and she trusts, you know, she's, she's trusting Ezra with this information where she probably didn't have that relationship with her own dad. So she's really kind of opening up. I thought it was really awesome for her character arc. Definitely. I really, I, that really jumped out at me too. I like that part a lot too. It really, and it also showed to me like that sort of, the naivety of children too, you know, like, I mean, clearly she was like, you know, between 13 and 16, but like, you know, it really showcased that, that part of being young, you know, I like that. That was cool. And it was super believable. She, you know, basically is reading like the Harry Potter of that universe and wants to be in school and have a normal life. But instead she's hanging out with old dudes, like trying to survive. And (laughs) it just really added a lot. And and she's such a gnarly fan that like she lost the actual book, but she's like what she does as a hobby is rewrite it from memory. You know, she's in the process of like just rewriting the book from memory. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you gotta you gotta respect. Yeah, that it's kinda. like something we would have done at the age of fifteen or sixteen with uh, Star Wars or something. Like all these fan fiction people nowadays. You know? Yes, very yes, nerdery, nerdery, nerdtastic. Thick. It's a thick nerd sauce. It's something you would have done had there not been the advent of VHS. <clears throat> totally. <laughs> or what you would have done before the advent. And her like her strength was really interesting too, where she's super quiet or whatever, and you 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 dig that kind of youth vibe and the naive vibe and all that stuff. And then she then she cuts his arm off with no problem and talks about like climbing into to butcher animals and stuff. And she's like super tough about it, which I thought was really cool as well. Like even he's super impressed by it. An hour to wash the blood out of my hair, yeah. She's a super fleshed out character. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't, I don't mean to even insinuate that the character seemed like she was extremely naive or anything. No, but she was. Um, I, I agree with you. In terms of the youth of being a dumbass teenager, I think we all were, you know? Well, I, th- I think it was I think it was cool that they they made whatever shortcoming she had uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever she whatever problems she seemed to run into seemed to be more based on not knowing what to do in a situation rather than just being like a, you know, a scared little girl, uh, you know, like Babe in the Woods kind of a thing, not having any, you know, but she, she had a lot of resourcefulness uh, and good intuitions and, and brains, it seemed. But, you know, whatever she did seem to like run in, whatever she felt short, it wasn't because she was a woman or a girl. Yeah. Because yeah. she just didn't lack the experience, you know. And I think that's that's why I thought that it was handled well, maybe not handled better, but like why I appreciated it more than like a Captain Marvel is that it was a story for the story's sake and what you just said added layers as opposed to like announcing to the world the the girl poweriness, which again I didn't hate about Captain Marvel, but it just like I feel like this was handled more subtly in prospect and I appreciated it more. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I'll buy, I'll buy that. Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> the only other thing I've got on the cast is uh, Pedro Pascal. I didn't recognize him at all. Um, 
until I looked him up on IMDb and he was like the dude that got his eyes poked out in Game of Thrones in like season three or four or whatever. Oh my God. I just put that together. Wow. Yes. The prince from yeah, Oberon or whatever. other house. Yeah, exactly. Oberon. And he, 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 his weapon of choice was a staff. Yeah. Yeah. And then in looking at his IMDb, I, I saw that he's, um, he's, he's going to be in the Mandalorian Star Wars show. And he's also going to be in the, the Wonder Woman sequel, which is cool. Very cool. I like it. Nice. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm curious about the Mandalorian. Yeah, same. As Star Wars fatigued as I am, I'm curious. And when you were saying a minute ago about the fatigue, it reminded me of um, I stumbled across Bob Iger or whatever. The Disney CEOs came out with a statement in the last couple of days saying they're pausing all Star Wars movies after episode nine for a while. Like they've just publicly said they're just going to stop for a bit and like focus on TV and stuff. Good. Yeah, I just I just came across some on MSN yesterday that they announced their pricing for their streaming service, and it's going to be six ninety nine a month, and you're going to have access to all Star Wars. Oh, it's like seven bucks or something. All the Marvel stuff. Yeah, seven bucks, seven and then they're going to pay. Not that I need another subscription. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? I know exactly, but they're they're going to have. They, that's one of the things they said, Chad, was that they're going to be coming out with this TV series for Star Wars and that TV series for Star Wars and. You know, a bunch of interesting um, Marvel ideas as well. Actually, one one caught my eye, which was, what if Peggy? It was a they're going to do a what if series, which I think is great. And one of the stories is, what if Peggy Carter, uh, Steve never took the super soldier serum, and it was Peggy Peggy Carter that ended up being Captain America with a suit. Oh, shit, really? Listen, That'd be cool. listen, listen to me. With a suit built by Howard Stark. Nice. So it's kind of like retro-y. Yeah. It's very retro. And it's, so it's sort of like the, the Iron Patriot, but like in the 1940s, you know, like that would be sick. Yeah, right. That's that's really clever. You know, like if it was modern day and they just rebooted it Captain Marvel style, like it would be whatever. But the fact that it takes place potentially in the 40s, that's, that's awesome, actually. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of thing I think we're talking about when we talk about the fatigue. Like those are the kinds of ideas that I want to see. Like everybody's always playing it safe, always trying to come up with the next money making thing. And it's like, come on, just make some great art, man. And like people will get into it, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. You know, because with the Star Wars thing, I really liked Rogue One. I'm with you, Kevin. Yeah, uh, you know, like, yeah, Rogue One's great. Coming away after all this time, like I think Rogue One is is amazing. Yeah, you know, like really, really good. It's refreshing. It's a different story with different characters that just takes place in that same universe. Another right? female lead movie done well. Exactly, and and in my opinion, just it's it's just perfect as a film. It's like perfection. Like I and I. I don't mean that in a lofty way. I mean that in like, you know, it, it, it lends to the original story very well. And it ends with everybody dying. You know, it's like this show. In this episode, everybody dies. Like everybody dies at the end of Rogue One. And I love it, man. Just like our show. It's like, that's what makes great cinema. It's like, you don't have to put a bow on everything to make everybody happy. It's like just people can die and it's fine. And you can connect with those characters even more and empathize with those characters even more because they are dying at the end. And it's like when you have Cassian and Jin dying on the beach like that, it was great. And like they even, you know, reused some of the uh, the takes from the original Star Wars that weren't used to add in, you know, some to flesh it out, like having those those pilots 
that were in the the Death Star yeah, run that was in the amazing. original film were yeah exactly like that 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 was just, it's such a great movie. We've 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 talked about Star Wars as a general topic in podcasts in the past, and it gets brought up a lot because we're obviously all Star Wars nerds. So we never we never had an episode about Rogue One. We should at some point for sure. We should. I agree. I think we're all kind of fanboys uh, when it comes to that movie and rightfully so because I just I started getting like a boner for talking about you know Darth Vader at the end of that movie oh my god fucking whipping out the lightsaber and force yeah. choking dudes and that was so amazing <laughs> yeah really dialing it in and going going <laughs> totally nuts, did man. not expect yeah. that in that movie and and man all right well so i'll shut up now because like you need to talk about that movie but, but yeah no we're totally getting <laughs> off topic but that's fine whatever well, well you were mentioning the peggy carter thing a second ago and how like a setting in the 1940s would be really interesting it reminded me of uh, man in the high castle i don't know if you guys have watched that but it's a little bit all over the place, but man, it it's a great setting. I haven't watched the third season yet, but it's so good. I watched one and two this past year, and I loved it. And I love um, so many of the the players in that that show, like Alexa Davalos. Like Alexa Davalos, man, yeah. Because I um I was traveling in the airport. I don't know when, maybe like on my way back from India in like two, year two thousand or something. And in a bookshop, I saw an American book cover it was an american flag with swastikas instead of stars and i was like what is that and this is like yeah year 2000 so well before the show and ended up picking up the book and oh no shit it was great that they they spent the money on the the like amazon's amazon spent the money on it isn't that based on philip k dick yeah it's philip k dick book yeah okay yeah it's not absolutely it's like obviously it's a very short book so it's really only aligns with season one of the show and it doesn't really have much in the way of a plot you know, as a lot of Philip K. Dick books are kind of all over the place and they, they, they're more, I don't know, explorations than like proper plots I find a lot of the time. But they, they took it and ran with it. They took it and ran with it in this show and it's they did a really good job with it, man. The actors are great. The story is great. Like everything's great. If you haven't watched it, Ben, you need to put that high on your list. It's really, really good. No, I, I watched the first season of it um, I uh, when it came out, and I never got back to it for, some, for one reason or another. I didn't have the time. Or, you know, and I know we're like a few seasons in now, at least, right? Yeah, three, I think. Yeah. Three, three just came out. So, yeah, three came yeah. out a couple of months ago. Yeah, I'll have to get back into it, but I, I really loved the first one. The cast was amazing, um, and, you know, it's just got that. I don't know. If you guys noticed that film adaptations of Philip K. Dick's stuff seem to have this, like, this is, like sort of trippy, like, confusing you know which end is up sort of uh vibe going on like anything you know like from blade runner to uh, total recall you know, scanner yeah. darkly or you know like scanner darkly any, anything so that good. seems to be made into a, a film seems to have this weird oh shit did you guys watch jesus oh, we're getting way off topic here but we may as well just go with it it's okay did any of you guys watch um electric dreams the the no what's that i i watched the f- I watched the first two episodes and I haven't gotten back to it. There is an episode uh, called Human Is that's amazing. It's got Brian Cranston uh, and other amazing people in it. That names are escaping me, but it's really like just just the, the the look of it and the feel of it is like this very kind of like. 60s kind of sci-fi thing going on like something about it that's really like i've never seen that captured in a, in a on film before and it's, it's it's just outstanding i'll check it out i saw that the other day when i was looking through my amazon feed and i was like man i gotta revisit that show and, and watch the rest of those because that was that, that was definitely a cool idea i'd never heard of it yeah that it's well it's kind of like a chat it's like a um it's like the twilight zone it's like an anthology series black yeah. mirror style but less yeah. dark or something 
Yes, exactly. There you Black go. Yeah. Style. yeah, yeah. And it's all sort of loosely based on Philip K. Dick stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's got some interesting ideas and stuff, but they uh, they do all tend to be quite loose, which I'm glad they're throwing money at. Like, the more the merrier in terms of trying new stuff. Agreed. He's, he's had probably more than any. <laughs> yeah. In terms of film attention. Well, I was just looking uh But, um... Minority Report is another one that was yep. a little bit out there. Scanner Darkly, I, I love the rotoscope nature of Scanner Darkly. It's just such a great. That was also really cool. Yeah, great film. Love that movie. Back to uh, we should probably get back to Prospect. Back to Prospect. Story. <laughs> I think we should talk about the story of Prospect, man. I, I one of my favorite my favorite things that like on second viewing jumped out at me is I love how they're taking the fucking bus to a moon. Like they're just like riding on this bus at the end of the line, and then they're like, okay. We're going to get off at this stop and then the bus is stopping, you know, like it was, I just thought it was amazing. No, that was a cool, that was a cool part of it for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, you got a certain amount of time to catch it before it goes back to wherever it's going. I like that too. It was cool. The, um, the other thing too, is when they like, when they land and the circuit boards are all like burning up behind them or whatever. And the dad's just like, whatever, we need to get out there. I thought that was a really subtle setup for the fact that, you know, she comes back and can't get the thing off the ground. Like really anybody should have just stopped and fixed it then in there but the fact that he didn't really just set a lot of the dominoes in in place yeah for sure but also they were like i mean you know you get the impression that the reason that he wasn't able to worry about it at the time was because he had to get out there and meet those mercs to, to do the job and if he was late it was going to cause problems and all these different things but but also you kind of get the impression that it's like and eh, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal you know like but they could have fixed it you know like at this point like they would have just been able to pull out some shit and like, <laughs> like there would have been like a spare part in a bin or something or whatever that he, he knew about and they would have been able to just like fix it which is you know would, would be like like out of the question for anybody to think about right now, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the moon lander, the new moon lander blew apart and they just like, they just had one. They just, you know, <laughs> they just swapped it out. <laughs> yeah. Went back off, came back home. Exactly. You know, like that's unheard of in like space travel as, as we know it, you know, like something goes wrong. You're fucked. You're not coming home. Like <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so they're the nonchalant like they're just like yeah, yeah like i was more scared for them than they were scared when shit started to go wrong when they took off you know it's like immediately like something blew up behind them and i was like oh fuck they're gonna crash you know and they're like no they didn't crash you know <laughs> nothing happened you know i like think just went into the atmosphere and landed and you know yeah they were just off course like that's all that happened <laughs> their, their shitty rental car just was smoking a little bit but they're fine yeah exactly it's weird <laughs> yeah that's the, it had it definitely had that like rent a wreck feel to it like we got the rent a wreck you know we got the the 85 uh chevy corsica with the uh maroon velour <laughs> interior you know yeah 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 i dig that yeah the yeah, old tom that. waits uh monkey shit brown subaru or whatever yeah yeah totally <laughs> any other scenes jump out at you guys um i i really liked um when he was encountering when they encountered those those folks that were just sort of, you know, hanging out in their tent that, that had that very kind of religious fanatic vibe to it. I really liked that scene. I don't know why. I, I liked his dialogue there. It had a good, it had a good, good clip pace to it and a good feel to it. Um, I also liked just, just the, I like the little song the dude plays on the like wind up harmonica thing. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. cool too. And yeah. I also liked the beginning when, you know, he's just sort of going through the process of how to extract these gems. Like I like that, that scene. I thought that was cool. It was way better than, uh, the unobtainium bullshit in avatar, man. Oh God. Unobtainium. Give me a break. 
Way better. Mm, so much better, yeah. Like these weird, like these weird organic pearls that come from like stuff that grows under the ground and like there's like danger and like, you know, like there's like one of the one of the mercs like lost an arm from like trying to reach in and grab one or whatever, you know. So like like every little step that they have to do that stuff is super important, you know, like ritualistic. And specific, yeah, very specific. I hadn't yeah. thought about it until just now, but the root pearl thing or whatever is very similar to like fur trapping or like silkworms kind of thing where like the the resource that's in vogue in the rich part of town is yeah animal based like pelts instead of it being like mining for gold or mining for you know precious metals well it's like sort of what gives it its its value right is that it's it's like dangerous and, and hard to get and things so and they're rare and you know it almost has like a human price tag i loved um i loved I loved Ezra, Ezra's buddy, like Jay and Silent Bob. The dude just like stands there with like a rail gun. <laughs> it was just super good. Number two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like they didn't, I feel like if they gave that dude a bunch of dialogue, it just would have overcomplicated the story. Like he didn't need to have any dialogue and it was handled well. I agree. No, it was way, it was way better that he didn't. No, yeah. but they, they also, did you see that there's like a, there's like a set of trading cards? No based on the movie that, that like just have a like, thing so like I think that's another one of those clever choices where they decided to make it sort of mysterious like the guy's quiet and but you know apparently the character Ezra says all this stuff about him like is he you know like, he doesn't know whether he's just like quietly meditating or whether he's like you know vastly lonely or you know whether he's like just you know mentally ill or you know like he doesn't know like what the reason for him being. like they sort of leave it like this mystery behind it which makes you more curious which makes it seem more deep you know, oh, it's just like the Star Wars thing where, you know, you, you watch it as a, a tween and they're like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 Clone Wars. And you're like, oh, wow, I wonder what that is, you know, and the fact that they don't go into or like the Matrix and they're talking about Zion and like you can imagine these things or whatever. But then when they show it to you, you're like, oh, never mind. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Uh, I was like, I hope there's a sequel to this movie in that universe, but that they don't ever answer any of those questions, really, you know? <laughs> yeah, they just do something else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the movie, I really dug the, the third act, you know, just when they finally meet up with the Mercs. Uh, it's just like, it's nighttime and like that whole scene, like there's just something really menacing and, you know, like despite the fact that there wasn't really anything overtly menacing, but just, you know, the fact that they had the prisoner there and everybody had guns and yeah. And, and the character in him on like with the, you know, playing the music really loud to like disguise what they're talking about or whatever. And like just, just like that, all of that stuff like seemed, there's something about it that like struck a chord with it. Like it, Felt. Uh, she she seems to clearly have the like I want to kill you and give me an excuse not to kill you vibe the whole time. Yeah, and the and the backstory for that character is apparently like you know she's like some kind of a war criminal that you know upon a regime change or a revolution sort of just like squeaked out of like getting all the you know getting charged with all these atrocities or whatever and and became a merc like that's the backstory of that character. So yeah, the the third act thing for me I really enjoyed that it it was kind of like a heist film but then the heist doesn't go right you know the dig fails and then they have to kill the mercs rather than the opposite being true where like they successfully dig it and then they all jump in the ship and fly off like i think the failure of the heist was a was a cool little little uh diversion yeah and it, it seems so unlikely that they're going to make it but they they do it's like they sort of take everybody by surprise <laughs> you know? and it's like you know you think you think Ezra's going to get left behind if she comes back for him you know like and almost kind of has like that like aliens vibe you know where ripley goes back for for newt you know that kind of a thing yeah yeah, totally. Well, then there's like the pink dude just like smashing that guy in the face with a rock and then just stands there as they walk by. I thought that was an interesting little thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that it's like they leave each other alone. <laughs> like all those things they set up that seem like they're like really so menacing, just sort of like are these like little hurdles that they just sort of jump over and get past because nobody's expecting them to. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. I don't know. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, the pink guy. He was just. He was very like. I'm cool if you're cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> like, yep, I'm cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool, man. You guys are good. Um, I smashed his face with a rock, so I'm gonna uh, die now, and then. Uh, you guys can go go over there. Yeah, I'm just gonna walk around, <laughs> heavy breathing until I die. So, yeah, yeah. But he was he's apparently like some kind of political prisoner or something like that that they were keeping watch over. So, really, I think he was probably grateful to them because they created a distraction. He was able to get loose and that kind of a thing. But you didn't know how any of that was going to pan out. It's like that—that that was the whole thing that was so great about that third act. Was like they set it up in this way that's so menacing, and you don't know how any of it is going to pan out. It, it seems like you know, you know they're going into it. You know, you know that Ezra only has one arm, and he's not probably not going to be able to pull shit off. Well, and then like she says, like they're negotiating or whatever, and she's like, "Yeah, my dad did this," and it's kind of weird, and uh, it's kind of a weird way to talk about the guy standing next to you, and you, you as the as the viewer, you're like watch what you say girl you know like you're gonna get yourself in some shit so it kind of ratchets the tension up a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah, she totally fucks up like my dad always said eh. <laughs> like <wait." laughs> the um the, the final scene too where like you know they launch up and they're flying towards the space station and just like out the window you see the space station coming close and then it like cuts to her face and she just smiles and it like cuts to cuts to the credits i thought it was really well handled instead of it being like Agreed. a sequence where they're like on the ship you know like drinking a beer or some shit you know we yeah having a conversation about all the stuff that just happened which nobody you know nobody wants to see that and i you know, I quickly I want to just quickly mention to the uh, the cinematography in the in the film. I thought it was really good, and I really like. You know, in the interview, they were saying, you know, we ha- we basically had to rely one hundred percent on natural light, and um, yeah, I mean, it was sort of obvious that they did, but like they really utilized it well. And when they did use artificial lighting, like in the pod scenes, like it, it was really good. It had a feeling of like there's not a lot of lighting inside this pod, you know, and there's a lot of light ambient light from the outside coming in like from various different nearby stars and suns and so forth and i i just thought it worked really well i like the way they did it. it it they worked with what they had and they did it great yeah absolutely no well said man i mean yeah a lot of the the pod and spacecraft stuff really and even the landings and stuff reminded me of um that recent neil armstrong first man film where you know landing the stuff is not easy and the natural light and space and everything being dark it just is far more realistic than like a super bright stark sterile 2001 space odyssey style spaceship yeah yeah i agree oh any did you have any negatives benny like kev you mentioned the setting was kind of a potential negative for you but were there any negatives on your end ben I think I'm going to have to wait for a further down the line on that one. Um, if, if anything, I would say when I initially saw a trailer for it was a negative. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I watched the trailer afterwards and it totally would have screwed with it. Oh, they're they're, they're going to do like a frontier movie where people are wearing space, space suits on a fucking plant that has like, you know, plants and shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like the, it's basically like what Kev's objection to the, the. Yeah. I'm super glad I didn't see the trailer beforehand. I watched it afterwards and was just like, yeah. oh, God, that's terrible. They obviously have to hype it up a bit. But I mean, it's, it's, I'm all about a shitty trailer. I'm all about a trailer for something that seems shitty that turns out to be great. For you know? sure. For sure. I'll still watch. <laughs> I'll watch. I'll watch it. 
And I love being pleasantly surprised more than anything. So, you know, I think that that was all part of it, you know, like, so it's still, that's not really a negative. It's kind of a plus. It's like, you know, you know, I, I love watching something that I think is just, you know, not going to be that great, but I'm ultimately like, I have, I have a problem and I need to watch movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm even going to watch one that I suspect might be shitty. And then like, it turns out that it's not shitty. It's amazing. That's good. I love it when that happens. <laughs> I only had um I only had one minor gripe with the film, which again it may not even be a gripe so much as I just picked up on something. Was like in the initial dig when when he's kind of like talking about the dig with with C the daughter and explaining things really for the benefit of the audience, and she like almost tips that liquid, and he's like, "Don't be careful, it's going to blow the whole dig site." I just immediately was like, "Oh well, that's obviously how the movie's going to resolve." You know, it just like immediately jumped out at me. Uh, that was yeah, it was a little heavy handed, but I mean, in the grand scheme of uh, negatives, it's such a minor thing. If I had a dollar for every time that, that happened in a movie, I'd probably have a hundred bucks for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm with that. I did, that didn't actually jump out at me, but again, like I said, I watched this movie in way too many chunks. Like I was really trying to sit down and watch it, and I just it was impossible. Man, my life is just not designed that way right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, even just getting through it the one time, it was worth it. It was a great film. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I, I got to say, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, anybody out there, I, I think you owe it to yourself to check the movie out. It's really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid 6.983 out of 10. <laughs> 6.983 out of 10. I like that, man. You should, you know what? The name of this episode needs to be 6.983 okay. out of 10. <laughs> repeating three. Repeating yeah, of, of course, yeah. So. Exactly. Exactly. Repeating. Point three. Repeating. Three, 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 three. Repeating. I just want to say that this was a great episode. Uh, I liked talking about this film. I liked watching it. I liked doing something different. And uh, like Ben just said, everybody, go check this movie out. If you're a science fiction fan and you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to watch it. And check out the short as well. Um, Chat will link all that stuff up in the show notes. And, you know, as always, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. A great, uh, great pick, Ben. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad everybody liked it. And Kev, uh, I just wanted to say, watch out for those swirling eyes out on the horizon tonight. I'm I'm still looking at them. I've been looking at them ever since I mentioned it, and I'm going to go find out what it is here in a few minutes. Because uh, while we were talking, I was on Google, and I think it might be a chupacabra. <laughs> El chupacabra. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or, like, or like Archer describing Pam. You're like a chupacabra, but for dicks. <laughs> That show is so ridiculous. It's so good, though. Yeah, that deserves a talk. Oh, my God. It definitely deserves its own episode. Absolutely. Good stuff. Anybody out there listening, uh, you know, we frequently bring up these sort of things on the the air about, like, what we might talk about in the future. So if there's anything you prefer, by all means, chime in. Let us know. Yeah, shoot us. uh, Hit us up on Twitter at EBDpod uh, or shoot an email to contact at EBD.FM and let us know any topics you want to listen to. You can also contact us by Carrier Pigeon, which is our preferred method. Absolutely. Yeah, they are hand delivered by uh, Mike Tyson. Ooh. Actually, takes care of the pigeons for us. It's See, amazing. I was going to say like as long as it's one of the good feathers from Animaniacs, <laughs> but I like the Mike Tyson thing. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll uh, see you that and raise you that we have a very similar type of situation to the Pony Express that we use here at the podcast, but our we only have one pony, and that's Shadow Fax from Lord of the Rings. Yep, yep. You mentioned it uh, back in uh, one of the other episodes. He de- he delivers all of the communications. 
So yeah, next week we're talking about uh, ranking the MCU. It was an idea that uh, Benny had last week. So I think that'd be a great uh, show before the Avengers Endgame movie comes out. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's rank the MCU. Um, I think it sounds great. Uh, criticisms be damned. People are going to shit all over us for this one, I think. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? If people aren't shitting all over you, it's no fun and you're not making good content. Well, that's, yes, exactly. Exactly. We we, we invite, by the way, we invite. <laughs> no worries, dudes. It was a good show. Have a good night, guys. Later, buds. Talk to you guys soon. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about today, you can find them in the show notes in your podcast app of choice or at the website ebd.fm forward slash eight. If you have any thoughts on the show or an idea for a topic, hit us up on Twitter at ebdpod. You can find me at Mulverine on Twitter. That's M-O-H-L-V-E-R-I-N-E. Chad is at Chad Normal on Twitter. And Ben is at Jarhego on Twitter. That's J-A-R-H-E-E-G-O. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, folks.